Hey, welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Mm-hmm. Here we are, back again. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I just watched you silently drink almost an entire bottle of water in one breath. <laughs> <laughs> And you like maintained eye contact with the wall in the distance while you did it. <laughs> it's just giggling watching you. It's that uh, chronic dehydration that uh, yes. Americans suffer most from. Not you. Not, not in this house. Not well. Yes, that's why I drank almost an entire <laughs> bottle of water. In it's one like sitting. that middle of the night thirst. It's like, have I had any water yet today? And the answer was no. So <laughs> there goes. Uh, what what is this? Sixteen point nine fluid ounces of. Mm-hmm. Down the hatch. <laughs> Water down the hatch. <laughs> also, a momentous occasion has taken place since we that? last recorded. You got a haircut. I did get a haircut. Fresh That's snips. True. That's true. It's your first haircut in like, what is it, seven years? Ten. Ten years? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty I'm crazy. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that was my last haircut. It was either some th- something around that range, eight or ten or something like that. Crazy. Yeah. Here, here we are. Here we are. You got a haircut. You're getting hydrated. Yeah. Just growing up. It's a new me. (laughs) It's a new me. It's not even the new year yet. And you're like, new year, new me. New year, new me in November. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) Well, um, we need to ask the question that everyone else is asking. Mm. What are you drinking tonight? Well, I too have not drinking any water (laughs) in about four days. Just like keep drinking coffee <laughs> as if that's going to do anything for me. You're right. So I grabbed me an old Costco bottle of water. Very good. Yeah. What about you? I <laughs> obviously also just chugged down almost an entire bottle of water. Spending a lot of time on that. Over the uh, the introductory music. Mm-hmm. But I also, uh, because uh, f- us fellow Midwestern... Americans, which is fun to have to uh, point out because we had a recent boom in UK listeners, I guess. Yeah. Hi, UK listeners. Hi. Thank you for, for listening. We're so, happy to have you. I don't know what the weather's like out there. I assume it's also a little chilly, mm-hmm. but uh, a nippy. yeah, it got very cold this week. And so uh, I decided to go for a hot drink mm. and made myself a hot chocolate with, with <laughs> whipped cream on top. And also some Malibu. <laughs> Malibu? Yes. Yes. It's a it's a little bit of like a fun little coconutty hot cocoa. I think you're convincing yourself that those things taste good together. They do. Okay. They do. I I'll mean, let it's a you rum. have it. Rum, rum and hot chocolate. Yeah, but together. coconut and coconut and chocolate go together, but not warm. Uh says you. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's just me. <laughs> Weigh in. This is the hard-hitting stuff. This is what this podcast is really all about. Mm -hmm. People wondering, what the heck did Kevin make this week? Mm -hmm. And this is it. So if you are curious, I don't even like coconut all that much, but I'll take take, uh, a coconut liqueur or rum in this case and throw it in some hot chocolate and there we go. Down the hatch. Down the hatch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, do you have a, a special... Feel good fact for us today. I do. So one man single-handedly saved over 1,200 varieties of apples from extinction. What? Tom Brown from North Carolina stumbled into a farmer's market and noticed baskets of odd-looking apples. It was here that he learned that many varieties have been lost to time, but have the potential to be recovered. Hmm. Sending him on his lifelong mission to visit abandoned groves and forgotten orchards, effectively bringing so many varieties back from the dead, so to speak. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. He's like a legend across, you know, different like botanical, horticultural, mm-hmm. agricultural um ecological groups that I'm in. Cause I just like, I find myself interested in something for a minute. And so I joined five Facebook groups. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I just learned about this guy and was like, (laughs) that is crazy. He's like a legend in these groups, which is amazing. And I love it. That's really cool. Yeah. And he was talking about like these apples that were almost like black looking. They were like such a dark purple. And like, he was like so fascinated by these bizarre looking fruits Hmm. and they're apples that he's just 
now he's rescuing him for himself. That's and crazy. I love it. It's so I learned this a long time ago that in order to create a new apple, it takes, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna say with too much authority because I don't remember specifics, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but it takes like several uh, generations of apple cross pollination to create a new apple. So in order to make like the Honeycrisp apple at mm-hmm. one point in time was like like a decades long process. Ah. Isn't that crazy? Praise now, be to he that that is a thing now. <laughs> I know. Now Honeycrisp apples are everywhere. You can't not find Honeycrisp apples. Wow. Thankfully, because I love those. They're so good. They are. They're the bomb. But yeah, that was my feel-good fact. That's a very good feel-good fact. Thanks a lot. What was that guy's name? Tom Brown from Thanks, North Carolina. Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Is he still alive? I think so. Thanks, Tom. If you're listening someday, yeah, if anybody knows Tom, tell him that. We appreciate him. <laughs> we hear it. The Doozy podcast are thankful mm-hmm. for him. Yes. Specifically. <laughs> Good morning to Tom Brown and only to Tom and Brown. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> All right. It's getting a little silly. That's okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. So I've kind of had a one track mind recently about the themes that I've considered talking about for the episodes. So I feel like I've been very intrigued and moved by stories involving mysterious disappearances. And this story is right in line with that. So when a lively adventurous YouTuber goes missing and his last known location was a cave near Area 51, it had many people's wheels turning right away. Red flags were raised and many wondered if this was a case of someone just getting lost in a cave or if there were far seedier, far stranger factors at play. Hmm. Today, I'm going to tell you all about the disappearance of Kenny Veach. Hang on, Kev. This one is a doozy. Wow. I'm already hooked. Hooked. Good. Yes. 47-year-old Kenny Veach was born and raised just outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. From a very young age, Kenny loved the outdoors and he loved to explore. Into adulthood, his passion only expanded for the outdoors, for wildlife, and for seeing beauty in the things that many of us don't give a second thought to. About a year before the events of today's story took place, Kenny had quit his job that he'd been at for 17 years. He had spent that time saving up money with that goal in mind to be able to quit his job. He had dreams of starting a home decorating business, and he also became an amateur inventor with goals of getting on Shark Tank. Hmm. That was a sort of dream he had in order to fund his actual dream of getting to be an explorer. Kenny really wanted to be able to have the freedom to explore the desert, both as a hobby for himself and with the hopes of educating and exciting the public about what kinds of adventures await us, specifically in the desert. Hmm. He would spend countless hours, sometimes several days in a row in the desert and more wild areas near where he lived, and began sharing his adventures on YouTube with the username SnakeBitMcGee, Hmm. (laughs) which I love. So in his videos, he would enthusiastically show his viewers all kinds of interesting things about his local flora and fauna, as well as many videos featuring his favorite critters, such as rattlesnakes and lizards and those sort of things. Hmm. He seemed to not only adore his time outdoors, but he seemed literally completely overtaken by the wonder and beauty of nature and of like the majesty of the desert. It's very genuine. I've watched a ton. I I mean, I've watched his videos and he just Hmm. is so delighted by he'll find like a like seeds and he's like you see these seeds and he's so pumped up about them (laughs) very genuine so he preferred to explore off the beaten path and would pretty much avoid well-traveled trails like the plague and he was good at it (laughs) i say all of this to paint a picture of kenny and to illustrate that he was not a novice outdoorsman he was well educated on the ins and outs of outdoor safety He knew his local species, which is always useful when you're outdoors and wanting to make sure that your interactions with wildlife are well-informed and as safe as possible. Yeah. Um, He was a master of enduring the elements, and all in all, he really did just straight up know his stuff. Really, the only concerns that any of his loved ones had about his hikes was that he would often hike alone, and he would not always bring all of the necessary provisions for the sake of roughing it. He took a sort of like pride in underpacking food and water provisions. Uh, Mm. But despite this, they were supportive of his love for nature and hiking. Yeah. So Kenny would frequently hike in the Mojave Desert. The Mojave Desert stretches from portions of southeastern California and southern Nevada, and parts of it extend into portions of Utah and Arizona as well. It's about 44,000 square miles and is sort of smack dab in between the Sonoran Desert and the Great Basin Desert. 
As far as what this desert is like, it features mountains and basins, small cliffs and caves, sparse vegetation, and some pretty rough and tumble, built-to-last sort of wildlife, ranging from various species of rattlesnakes and lizards to mammals like bighorn sheep, bats, foxes, and coyotes, and that Mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. And while many people would consider a majority of the Mojave as being very unforgiving, for whatever reason, Kenny absolutely loved this place. And it was here where Kenny would stumble upon the mysterious cave that seems to be at the center of this whole story. One of the first important elements to this story is found in a YouTube comment that Kenny had left on a video entitled, quote, son of an Area 51 technician, end oh. quote. So this was towards the end of 2014. It read, quote, that ain't nothing. I am a long distance hiker. One time during one of my hikes out by Nellis Air Force Base, I found a hidden cave. The entrance to the cave was shaped like a perfect capital M. I always enter every cave I find, but as soon as I began to enter this particular cave, my whole body began to vibrate. The closer I got to the cave entrance, the worse the vibrating became. Suddenly, I became very scared and hightailed it out of there. This was one of the strangest things that ever happened to me. End quote. Ooh, okay. He left that as a comment. So this resulted in an immediate explosion of public interest. Yeah. But with that territory comes the skeptics that demand proof. So the long and short of it is that Kenny was essentially convinced to find the cave and show it to everyone. And so that's what he did. He set out on a 10-hour hike to what's known as the Sheep Range, which is located about an hour away from Las Vegas. He brought his camera, his usual hiking supplies, and a small gun for safety purposes. He took a video of his trek that included plenty of excited stops to show viewers animals or cool features that he had found on his way to the mysterious mountainside cave that had freaked him out so badly just a short time before. Hmm. Which was in pretty stark contrast to the fear he explained in the comment that he'd made in that video. Mm. He was absolutely jovial, and the trek itself was very lighthearted and fun in the now infamous 21-minute, 57-second M-Cave hike video. He found all sorts of things that he was excited to educate his viewers about, but the one thing that he didn't find on this particular trek was the cave. But he posted the video Hmm. of the hike anyways. So this obviously led to a slew of people basically slamming him for being a liar. Sure. Like you said this cave was here and that you had this potentially paranormal, you know, at least weird experience there. Right. You claim to know this desert and the sheep range like the back of your hand and yet you couldn't find the cave. So many people were not very friendly upon their first viewing of the video. Many commenters were more gracious, but the overall consensus was that people really wanted Kenny to try and find the cave again. Hmm. And then there was this one comment in particular that stood out in its all-around eeriness. An anonymous YouTuber user wrote, No, do not go back there. If you find that cave entrance, don't go in. If you do, you won't get out. Ooh. That's... It's like looming. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like, geez. I want to know why that person would say that. Like, specifically, like, what would cause them to feel like... That's the response to make. Do they right. know something? Have they seen something? Are there they just, are a few things. Are they just being a weirdo YouTube commenter? Well, or are they nervous? Because I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later about the kind of the danger of these caves. Mm, okay. Um, just in general and like desert caves. That was like the only like rational reason I could think of for making that comment. Mm. The rest of it, I was like, what do you know? Right. <laughs> like right. you know something. <laughs> Show show yourself, anonymous yeah. YouTube user, please. But even more noteworthy than all of that was the general intrigue of the cave itself. Given the fact that he had originally believed the cave was located near Nellis Air Force Base, more specifically near Area 51, there were added layers of mystery and allure for those who had an interest in the paranormal. So I know that most of our listeners have probably heard about Area 51, but because we haven't talked about it directly on our show yet, I feel like I should probably give a short overview. So Area 51 is a highly classified United States Air Force facility within the Nevada Test and Training Range. Since pretty much the beginning of the institution, various types of atomic and nuclear testing has also taken place there. And for many years, this top secret facility was the subject of all kinds of conspiracy theories, 
most famously, the idea that there was top secret information and perhaps proof of the existence of aliens and UFOs Mm -hmm. and perhaps even actual aliens that were locked down there. So, yeah. Another very famous thing was the tale of the UFO that had crashed in Roswell, New Mexico, Mm -hmm. being cleaned up and brought to Area 51 to be studied and reverse engineered in order for the military to be able to recreate similar aircrafts. Yeah. So those were like the very common things that were floating around about it. Yeah. Also, fun fact, uh, Area 51 is home to a failed Facebook mob. (laughs) Don't worry. I'll talk about that. (laughs) I could not mention that. Oh, yes. Okay, good, good. Then I won't spoil it because... It's one of my favorite things that has ever happened. I'm glad we were alive for that. Like (laughs) whenever I'm having a gloomy day, I'm like, remember that time that a bunch of internet (laughs) users tried to swarm Area 51? Oh my goodness. And the memes haven't stopped since. It's amazing. so So since its inception in the 1950s, the base has been a testing and training grounds for all kinds of aircrafts. From F-117 stealth fighter planes to high altitude planes and the list goes on. Many top-secret military operations have factually been operating, and information regarding what those things are are pretty much fully locked down and Mm. classified to the public. Mm. So, as far as the Roswell incident goes, in 1994, the United States Air Force put out a report stating that the debris that they had recovered in Roswell, New Mexico, was smashed remains, such as balloons and sensors, from a classified project only known as Project Mogul. But people really didn't buy it. Yeah. They're like, seems too convenient. Right. Also, that's something that you could have said the day that it happened. Right. And you waited 50 years to say something about it. (laughs) It's kind of one of those, like, I don't believe you. Right. (laughs) Like, you say that now. Right. So the scandal would only continue in the early 2000s when both citizens and former employees of Area 51 cited concerns that they had about the facility not only operating near Groom Lake, but also of the production and disposal of hazardous materials that may make their way into Groom Lake and then beyond. Oh, So all complaints filed with the Environmental Protection Agency were all but dismissed by President George Bush in 2003, which basically the report just says, nah, upon inspection, Area 51 is exempt from all of your concerns, and this place will continue to operate as usual without any additional information becoming available to the public at large. It's cool. Just like, leave it alone. Hmm. Nothing to see here. Move along, people. Yeah, it's a little shady. It's weird. Yeah. Because like... I'm going to just quote Dr. Phil. (laughs) People who have nothing to hide, hide nothing. Yeah. He said that a lot. (laughs) He sure has. (laughs) Yeah. Like why it feels, it feels like unnecessarily withholding, you know? Yes. Because they say just enough to like acknowledge certain concerns and issues Mm -hmm. and um, big topics like the Roswell incident and stuff like that but not enough to actually like really quell anybody's concerns. Right. Just enough to say, Hey, yeah, we heard that you're talking about this. So here's something. Right. It's like when your kid wants a snack and you're like, well, it's almost dinner time. So no. And they're like, well, can we have a snack? You're like, yeah, fine. Here, hit this bag of baby carrots. Right. Go nuts. And they're like, no way. No, I don't want you gave us this snack. This is very clearly not what I want. Right. Right. (laughs) It's like that. It's just, it's one of those things where area 51 has existed in and shrouded in mystery mm-hmm. for so long. And the way that they talk about it is so <laughs> like they're covering their butts by saying like, by, or by not outright saying, no, that's not true mm-hmm. because it's like everything else they would say that is factually incorrect or right. uh, this is what it's actually here for. But they never, outright say that for area 51 they just kind of tiptoe around it and it's right. like okay this is weird and then i mean obviously in the last several years we've seen declassified things that are very scary yes. and weird yes and also still don't give us the full picture right but uh have definitely made non-believers into believers mm-hmm. and believers into uh, fanatics. <laughs> yeah, that's so, fair. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so it wasn't even until 2013 that the United States government even disclosed the existence of Area 51 to the general public at all. 
Yeah. Like they never formally acknowledged it until 2013. Yeah. Crazy. So it's pretty wild when you think about that. Within five to six years of the public receiving confirmation of the existence of Area 51, the United States government also released small handfuls of videos and documents that demonstrate some pretty bizarre technology. There are plenty of these that you can see online now that show teams of highly trained jet pilots and crews coming across unidentified aerial phenomenon or UAPs, Mm -hmm. which is basically another term for UFOs. Right, right. So it's the modernized th- version of UFO because UFO has now been co-opted as yeah, little, alien spacecraft. Little green men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So whatever these UAPs are, they fly fast. Some of them defy many laws of physics. And I've just got to say, this is an opinion, obviously, but these videos are very compelling. Yeah. Very, very compelling. All we know for sure is what the government has chosen to disclose to the public, that these UAPs are obviously unknown the technology is unknown, who or what is operating them is unknown, and whether or not they pose a threat to security or the overall safety of the public is unknown. Yeah. I mean, pretty much everything we have is unknown. Yeah. But yeah, guys, if, if you haven't seen those, go look them up. They're yeah. not hard to find. Just look up declassified UAP video and yeah. you'll find them. And then you'll be wondering now for the rest of your life, are aliens real? I know. I know. That's what happened. (laughs) That's how it happened in our house. Wait a minute. Wait a second. There's something (laughs) happening here. Well, I've seen like conversations that people have been having over the years and like different compilations that people have made. Redditors are really good at finding this stuff. Mm. I think they're all incredible detectives and should be paid for their work. But I've seen video compilations of like Barack Obama talking about it and like other politicians, like Mm -hmm. major world leaders talking about it. And- of course, pretty much everything they have to say is all the same mm-hmm. and it's very vague on purpose. Um, but it is interesting seeing that now this is actually slowly becoming part of public conversation. And one thing that I saw as a theme in a lot of these different videos that I've watched is that there's just been this thing, this like, I don't know how it must be very well interwoven in the conversations at like the highest levels in the government of like the public isn't ready for this. Mm. And before, I don't know if it was before these videos were released or different ones, but they like hired different religious leaders to come in and like weigh on it, like weigh in on it. Interesting. So that they could like soften the blow to their people. Like, Oh, do you remember that? Yes. We talked about this. I, I can't remember the context that I saw it in, but they're like, before we release more of this information, we need to make sure that, yeah. More people are, in, they're being informed by people who they already trust. Right. Because they're probably not going to be ready for what they see or right. hear, which is like, I don't remember. It could have honestly been like a TikTok. That one could have been. Yeah. But I believe everybody on Reddit because they're so smart. <laughs> I shouldn't have ended with that. No, That's I just the, lost all my credibility. All your Our <laughs> slash UFOs really has convinced me. <laughs> Oh okay, goodness. we need to move on. So, shout as out, I've said, shout out to the subreddit r slash UFOs. It's love incredible. You love you guys. They're so incredible, much. and I love everybody <laughs> in that group so much with my whole heart. Oh. Okay, so as I've said, this place is so unbelievably secretive. I watched a documentary about Kenny and his disappearance, and they actually interviewed a few different people that worked for different branches of the government, such as the CIA. And even these guys were not allowed to know what kinds of projects were being worked on in Area 51. Oh, wow. CIA agents aren't allowed to know. Hmm. Some of them have been given some vague information about different projects, but usually only something along the lines of, yeah, there are classified projects going on at Area 51, and we call them black projects. And that's pretty much the only information that Hmm. even CIA members have. Over the years, photos taken of Area 51, either on purpose or on accident, have been lost or locked in vaults. And the closest legal vantage point to the public uh, is about roughly 26 miles away from the location at a different location called Tickaboo Peak, Hmm. which is an amazing name. Yeah. If you try and get closer, you'll get slapped with a $600 fine. And if you try it, you will get caught because it's under constant, intense surveillance and patrol. There is no sneaking into Area 51. Yeah. However, may we never forget the 2019 attempt made by a whole slew of online enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. 
the whole they can't stop all of us thing (laughs) where millions of people joked online about storming Area 51 in hopes of uncovering the secrets that are so tightly locked down there. While it was mostly intended as a joke, hundreds and hundreds of people did, in fact, show up. Two nearby counties deployed some serious security measures in addition to the security already in place at Area 51. They were ready for a full-scale invasion. Oh, my gosh. Like, I'm not even joking. So even though two people were arrested, the event itself was mostly lighthearted and playful and not actually serious. Yeah. Plus, we got some amazing memes out of the deal. (laughs) So that was a super zoomed-out overview. So don't come for me, all of you Area 51 whiz kids. Maybe I'll do a more thorough deep dive on Area 51 on a future episode. Yeah. But I feel like that's enough background to illustrate that as soon as Kenny had shared that the M cave was located near Area 51, people did pay attention. Yeah. So users across social media encouraged and pushed him to head out for a third hike. So he did. Hmm. At 6 a.m. on November 10th, 2014, after informing his loved ones that he would be heading out for a trip that he believed would last maybe two or three nights at most... Kenny Veach began his final hike into the Mojave Desert in search of the M Cave. Hmm. He drove his car to the trailhead near Corn Creek Road. He parked his car, and then he began his journey. So three days and nights came and went. And even though Kenny was experienced and his loved ones knew that, three days was his absolute maximum time frame. And so when he didn't come home, his girlfriend Sharon Pilgrim reported him missing. Hmm. The news took up the story immediately, and a search was launched. His car was quickly located and there were no signs of a struggle. It appeared as though he did, in fact, at least begin his hike. Hmm. Okay. So in the beginning of his M Cave hike video, he's standing at one of those abandoned mine shafts. There's a lot of caves and mine shafts. Yeah. Okay. He takes a minute to kind of talk about the mine shaft that he's standing over, letting viewers know that this one was a vertical shaft, which can be exceptionally dangerous. He continues on by explaining the M cave and his experience there, his immediate intrigue when he first saw it and the unsettling vibration that he felt pulsing through his body, how the vibration got stronger and more intense, the closer Mm. that he got to the entrance and that sort of stuff. So it was here at this mine shaft where his cell phone and some coins were found on November 22nd, 2014. Mm. More search and rescue crews were deployed to search the area surrounding the mine shaft, but there were no signs of Kenny. So just to make sure that that last bit made sense. Yeah. The mine shaft where they found his phone and some coins was a mine shaft that was featured in his MK video. Okay. Where he kind of saw this mine shaft and used it as an educational point. Right, right. And so I feel like that's important to yeah. understand. Well, and what an odd thing for your phone to just be laying there mm-hmm. after you go missing. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. So a little background on the mines in the area. There are over 250,000 abandoned underground mine systems in the state of Nevada. Wow. That's a lot. Yes, that is a lot. Many of these systems are interwoven and they can stretch and weave for hundreds of miles in every direction. Even the ones that offer tours paint a vibrant picture of just how wild the desert truly is. You can look up from inside of one of these mines and see like little cracks of light pouring in. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder what it would take for the sands to shift just enough for the whole thing to collapse. Wow. Like I watched some of like the videos of people touring certain mine shafts and it's like, oh, you couldn't pay me to go in there. Right. I would be so freaked out. (laughs) And it's obviously an additional hazard that it's super easy to get lost or injured or even killed in one of these systems. Mm -hmm. This particular shaft was, as Kenny said, definitely very deep and plenty of accidental deaths have taken place at mine shafts just like it when the desert gave way, when someone stood in the exact wrong spot, causing people to plummet to their deaths below. Mm. But investigators didn't believe that that's what happened in this situation. Still, they brought in a team that specialized in rescue efforts involving dangerous and or confined spaces so that they could search the mine. But there was no sign of Kenny. So they continue their search. Unfortunately, with the exception of the coins and the cell phone recovered by investigators, there were no more clues whatsoever about where Kenny could be. Given the fact that temperatures could soar into the hundreds during the day and then plummet dramatically at night, concerns about the elements and one's ability to survive in them for weeks and weeks were obviously highly factored into this search. But with that, the case went cold. 
Oh, man. Yeah. As time ticked on without any signs of Kenny Veach, social media was abuzz with countless theories about where he was and what could have happened to him. So we're going to spend some time working through those. Hmm. Okay. The first theory is that perhaps Kenny had gotten lost. So if he'd gotten lost, it's plausible to assume that during his search for more familiar landscape, that the sun was beating down on him and it would take no time at all for him to become dehydrated. With his track record of trying to preserve water and only drink it when he felt extremely thirsty, Hmm. which is a practice that doesn't do much to prevent dehydration at all or preserve water. It's possible that maybe he collapsed somewhere in the vast desert and passed away from dehydration and or exposure. Yeah. Sadly, many hikers are discovered with water still in their supplies, indicating they had tried to preserve water, but ended up still becoming dehydrated before passing away. Mm. So this theory would make sense for those reasons. There's a lot of videos where Kenny will talk for a minute about like he wants to see how long he can go Mm. between taking drinks of water or eating food because he likes to challenge himself, which like... I understand the degree of like building up endurance and like wanting to challenge yourself. Like I do get that. But in this scenario, I'm like, Oh, that's a bad idea. Yeah. It's well, you're in the, you're in the desert. You're literally, this is the epitome of being exposed. Mm -hmm. So you need to take all of your precautions seriously. Right. Right. So the trouble with this theory is that Kenny was extremely familiar with this area of the Mojave desert. He knew many, if not all, of the canyons, mountains, abandoned mines, etc. that made up this particular stretch of desert. So it's just not super likely that he'd just gotten lost, you know? Right, right. So if that had been the case, it likely wouldn't have been too difficult to locate his body. Because if you think about it, he left from a certain point and he was heading to a certain point. Right. That as far as investigators had, they had a whole long video of his M-Cave hike to work with that they could also kind of match up certain Hmm. features too. You know what I mean? So of course this is a very reasonable possibility. Sure. All things considered, but many people don't think that it was the most likely scenario given Kenny's experience. Exactly. Yeah. Others believe that there are plenty of other natural explanations for his death. Despite his love and knowledge of local wildlife, the animals that he could have potentially come across can be very deadly. From amazing camouflage and stealthy hunting and tracking abilities, a snake bite or a wild animal attack isn't totally out of the question. There are also people who live and play in the desolate desert. Hmm. The people who have chosen to live an isolated life out in the desert also know the land like the back of their hands and will not hesitate to shoot a trespasser. Hmm. They'll like claim certain spots as theirs and it can be very rough. Oh, But Kenny would have known this. And I'm pretty sure that on this hike, he also packed his small, like his nine millimeter gun also. But this one is possible. There's no evidence to suggest that this theory is the most likely. However, he also could have fallen into one of the many thousands of abandoned mines. So much as a little rainfall can cause shifting in the sands that leads to the ceilings of mines becoming extremely soft and collapsible. Mm -hmm. Even if you're familiar with many of the mines, they can be different every single time you come near them for these reasons. Hmm. While over a dozen searches were launched with no additional signs of Kenny, many believe that there would have been some indicator that there was a more natural explanation at play. Sure. So then come some of the wilder theories. Yeah. Which I feel like it's worth pointing out the natural ones and the things that would be less fantastic um, are not lesser right in that way right. those are those are reasonable and we don't want to make light of totally, those totally um by going into maybe the crazy stories mm-hmm. but we also want to be open to the fact that they're unexplainable things and mm-hmm. might be worth and i don't know any any of these things this is all i'm hearing all this for the first time right i just like this is this is a point to to make as we're getting into it cuz sure. this is so recent and Mm-hmm. Uh, this is well, this is a man who, uh, you know, ha- is is missed, obviously. Right. So he is. Yeah. Well, and one other thing I want to just piggyback on that with is that the natural theories, it's kind of like when we were talking about Mothman, how like Mothman could be a large bird of prey. That's yeah. not the most fun theory. That's not the most intriguing theory. That's not the most 
a celebrated theory, mm-hmm. but it is very likely. Sure. You know, and it's the same thing with, with this is like, there are factors at play that make it less likely than if it was an inexperienced hiker right. or somebody hiking in an unfamiliar area. And so that does like sort of decrease the likelihood that those yeah. things were what killed him. Yeah. But accidents happen. Totally. All the time. Totally. All the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that that was a worthwhile note to make. Yeah. So one of the more popular theories from people who've become interested in the case is that M cave was actually a secret entrance, either an underground entrance into area 51 or an entrance into like an undisclosed wing mm. of whatever the government setups are at Nellis. Sure. Yeah. So people have discussed what could have been admitting those vibrations that left Kenny feeling so strange as he had approached the mouth of the cave. Could it be some sort of unknown security measure to keep people and animals from entering and discovering in scare quotes, the truth? Mm. Yeah. Could it be a type of classified weapon designed to incite fear or unease in enemies or invaders? Mm -hmm. If so, what are they trying to keep hidden? Could it be completely unrelated to Area 51? Could it be that extraterrestrials have set up base in the M cave to conduct their own research? (laughs) So there are tons of different highly speculative ideas that people have across various social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Obviously, one of the more popular ideas about what's being hidden in Area 51 is evidence of aliens and their technology. So maybe they've actually figured out how to duplicate various types of weapons and crafts based on extraterrestrial design. So mm. yeah. people really like to take that one and run with it. Sure. One overall theme that goes along with this theory is that the government has utilized the vastness and the geography of the desert as an extra means of security. Many people believe that within the caves, mountain ranges, canyons, etc., that there are undetectable cameras, microphones, and that sort of stuff that the mm. average person might not notice at all. Yeah. They're designed to keep people as far away from Area 51 as possible. So that's the idea behind that. Interesting. Yeah. Theories on what happened to Kenny that go down this road usually involve classified government information and aliens, just to make it simple. Sure, sure. Okay, so this is a theory that doesn't necessarily involve what happened to Kenny directly. Many people have made the point that the vibrations that Kenny had been feeling made, like, you know, the ones that made him feel, like, disturbed, Mm -hmm. those could actually have a few natural explanations. Yeah, I was about to say, I think we've talked about things like this before. We have. So So one is that the vibrations could have been caused by a few different geological occurrences. Mm -hmm. Considering caves in general... These are giant holes and tunnels encased in various rocks. The way that sound travels through these caves can absolutely produce vibrations. In fact, there are places in Sedona, Arizona that people go to in order to seek out feeling those naturally Mm -hmm. occurring vibrations. It's also possible that there was a micro earthquake happening at the exact time that Kenny was out there. And it just happened to emanate the vibrations out of the mouth of the cave when he was standing near it. Mm -hmm. The list wow. goes on with these, and a lot of them make a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're things that you don't think about off the top of your head because not everybody is a geologist, you know, <laughs> right. or a desert expert. But, yeah, those are fair, yeah. I think. Well, and the the vibrations of, of the earth, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are specific vibrations that do bring out a sense of dis-ease, unease and just like general fear. Like there's a, there's a, and I know this is, this is true. I just don't remember which, like where it exists on the frequency spectrum, Mm -hmm. but there is a frequency that, um, will cause people to feel sick to their stomach Mm -hmm. or lightheaded or, you know, like heart arrhythmia can happen. All that kind of stuff. So if there's a natural frequency coming out of a cave, which is, not unusual Mm -hmm. and it happens to be that frequency or within that range of frequencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. All that stuff would be fairly explainable. It's just, it is just weird. Yeah. So it's not something that occurs every day. Right. And I've also heard stories of people experiencing those kinds of frequencies Mm -hmm. and then also being very mentally disoriented Mm -hmm. and that, and for like a longer period of time than just the length of the frequency exposure. Right. right. And so if he was uh, disoriented 
to such a degree if he were to experience that while he was out on this hike. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows what happens after that? Right. The, you know, the whole, <laughs> all of these theories are wide open. Right. Even the natural ones that would be unusual for someone of his ability and history. Sure. Like he, he, he would be open to that because he'd be disoriented. Right. So Totally. Well, and just like the, the overall, uh, confusion that can happen when you start becoming dehydrated. Yeah. You can start seeing things. You can have, you know, hallucinations. Your, yeah. your brain goes into like protect mode. It, I mean, all these things really are on the table in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So one thing that many people have pointed out is the fact that there were some inconsistencies with how Kenny explained the M cave overall. Many cited that when he first talked about it, he said it was in the side of a mountain, but in his M cave video, he said that it's level with the ground. He also never told any of his loved ones about the cave itself. They only learned about it later. Hmm. Now, in plenty of dynamics, that wouldn't be a red flag. But for Kenny, that was weird. He always shared this sort of stuff with his girlfriend, with his daughter, and with other friends. Hmm. But he never brought up the M cave to them. Yeah. So it was odd. Many of his loved ones believe that this was a case of Kenny getting caught up in a story that he designed to grow his YouTube following. Think about that for a second. Yeah. He made that comment about the M cave and he immediately gained attention, followers, subscribers, and people who were religiously checking his channel to see if he'd gone back and found the cave. Right. It was a whole thing. And many people, especially people who are interested in entertaining, would jump at the chance to concoct a fantastic story like that of the M cave. Sure, sure. One other reason that many people close to Kenny believe that this is a real possibility is because Kenny had invested a huge amount of his retirement into his inventions. Hmm. They thought that maybe this newfound attention and like the crazy amounts of views on his YouTube were another attempt on Kenny's part to earn some extra money or maybe even just to help recover some of the money that he'd lost. Hmm. This seems very reasonable, but it doesn't answer the most important question about the story. Where is Kenny? Yeah. So the case would remain cold despite the fact that new theories and new conversations about Kenny Veach's disappearance are still popping up regularly, even today. Hmm. Social media users across many platforms are still speculating and still wondering what happened to Kenny. And in 2018, some of Kenny's family members believe that they may have figured it out. On July hmm. 15th, 2018, a security camera at the Enchanted Forest Reiki Center in Las Vegas recorded a break-in. This business was owned by Kenny's sister-in-law, and when she looked at the footage of the break-in, the man in the video looked a lot like Kenny. Oh. So much so that his sister-in-law, Susan Veach, is 100% convinced that it was Kenny who broke in. She showed Kenny's daughter, Victoria, the footage, and she agreed that it did look like him. Oh, weird. The other interesting thing about the security footage of the break-in is that whoever the man is, he seems to be moving with serious intent, like he's looking for something specific. He left many valuable items that could easily be pawned. He left the money, but he did put his hand under the desk in two different places, as if he was looking for something that he knew was hidden there. Hmm. So whatever it was, it wasn't there. Yeah. So after a short 42 seconds in the store, the man leaves empty handed, except for an iPad that he grabbed as he was climbing out the window. Hmm. So this brings the speculation on pretty heavily that this man stole the iPad in order to stay connected in some fashion. Mm-hmm. As far as I could find, there was no way that anybody tracked the iPad being sold. And so who knows? Wow. So the way that he moved around the store and searched under the desk made it appear as though he was also familiar with the layout. Yeah. And that he would know, like, not everybody's going to think to look under a desk. They're going to look in a cash register. Right. They're going to look in drawers. Right. They're going to open up a big bag and throw all the valuable stuff into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So still images from the break-in video were run through a facial recognition program with a group called Biometrica. They were able to use their program to determine whether faces in two separate photos belong to the same person Mm -hmm. with pretty high accuracy. So they took a photo of Kenny and compared it to a photo still from the break-in video, and it was determined that there was no match found. Mm, This is not necessarily a definitive answer, however. 
the best stills that they could get from the video were very blurry. Sure. Because it was taken on an infrared camera. Yeah. It made the face like hard to recognize to mm-hmm. begin with. So like the first phase of the program was the program needed to identify a face in each photo. Yeah. And it was able to vaguely do that with the blurry still sure, footage. Sure. So it could be that the man in the video was not Kenny Veach. And it could be that the man was Kenny Veach. Right. But it was too low quality to really give an absolute answer. Hmm. So Susan and her husband, Ray, sent the video off to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, but they still haven't heard anything back. Wow. But Susan is totally convinced that it's Kenny in the video. Victoria is less certain, but part of her deep down does believe that her dad is alive and that he may have staged a disappearance. Oh, wow. Crazy, right? Yeah. So Victoria, Susan, and various other people believe that Kenny planned and executed his own disappearance. Overwhelmed with his failed business ventures, drained savings account, and overall frustrations about life, they believe that he saw the YouTube success surrounding his M-Cave story, and he saw it as an out. Hmm. And the loved ones of Kenny who support this theory believe that if he was going to do something like this, he was going to commit to it 100%, no looking back. Yeah. It's possible that he used his knowledge of the desert and desert survival skills to become a desert dweller. Wow. While many of the folks who choose to tough it out in the desert are about as rough and tumble as they come, Kenny would know that. And he also did have his gun with him and potentially more rounds of ammunition for protection. Hmm. There could be also a specific cave or unit of caves that he chose as like a home base Mm -hmm. to build a brand new life for himself. While detectives weren't able to definitively prove if Kenny had taken out a life insurance policy on himself, it wouldn't be impossible for him to have done that and to have changed his name or like something along those lines. Yeah. You can jump through some hoops to make it Mm. harder to track. Yeah. So the documentary that I watched that explored this theory also reached out to YouTube. So the MK video has nearly 3 million views at this point. Yeah. The documentary crew asked if anyone had monetized the channel and if anyone was receiving payments for the channel. But unfortunately, YouTube didn't respond in time, and sure. so they didn't have an answer to sure. that. So, and and from what I could find looking for that information, like, has it come since the documentary was made? Mm-hmm. No, I mm-hmm. haven't seen it. So, wow. all that to say, Susan is angry. She's mad that Kenny left and has brought such a heavy burden onto his only daughter and granddaughter. Wow. Victoria yeah. loves her dad and misses him. She's got an inkling that he's alive, and she just wants to hear from him. She just wants to know if he's okay. And then she's content to let him go off and live his life however he wants. But Kenny's brother, Ray, isn't so sure. Hmm. Not only does he not believe that it was Kenny in the surveillance video, because he insists that Kenny never visited the store, but he also thinks that he wouldn't stay in the area if he was alive. He thinks it would be much more likely that Kenny would move east to be with family and that if he'd done that, they would have heard from family. Sure, sure. He also doesn't think that Kenny would do that to his daughter. Hmm. So Ray isn't the only person who doesn't believe that Kenny staged his disappearance. Many investigators on the case, as well as professionals that have been asked to weigh in, believe that sadly, it's much more likely that Kenny Veach passed away in the desert. Factoring in the terrain and the sheer vastness of the desert, the idea that Kenny could vanish without a trace is shockingly high. With countless nooks and crannies, the mine systems, animals and scavenger activity and so on, it would not be unheard of Hmm. for someone to get lost, never to be found in a place like the Mojave Desert. At the start of the investigation, along with the search teams being deployed to comb over as much of the Mojave Desert as they could, police also interviewed family and friends to try and get a better sense of who Kenny was. They talked with Ray, Victoria, and Kenny's girlfriend, Sharon. They also searched his home, and it's then that they looked at his search history in his computer, and that's where things get a little bit unsettling. Oh, no. So Kenny had written a note on his computer that read, quote, help me, help me, help me, help me, over and over, somewhere around 50 to 60 times. Oh. Content warning. The final theory that I'm going to talk about involves discussions surrounding mental health struggles, such as depression, suicidal ideation, and the completion of suicide. I know that these are sensitive topics, and so if you don't want to hear about that, you'll want to skip forward a few minutes. Mm -hmm. 
So when police showed this note to Sharon, she had a lot to share about Kenny's mental health state at the time of his disappearance. She said that he'd struggled with depression for decades, and that in the time leading up to his disappearance, she could really sense that he was not doing well emotionally or mentally. Mm -hmm. Given the various stressors, such as quitting his job, blowing through his retirement money in pursuit of interior design and shark tank conventions, and an additional fact that he'd listed his home in a very strange way, she'd been worried about him before he went missing. Hmm. Let's talk about his house for a minute. Kenny loved his house. He not only kept it spotless, almost like a showroom, but he'd meticulously gathered decor of all kinds that he had set up himself. Hmm. It was kind of like an Old West country museum, and he was very proud of it. But times were hard. And so when he listed his house, he made a video stating that he was listing his home. He gave a tour. He talked about some of the decor and the significance of certain pieces. And then he said that the deal would be that he would sell himself with the house. The Mm. idea he had was that he wouldn't own the home, but that he would stay on as a caretaker of the home. He'd do the cooking and cleaning and all of the decor and furniture would stay in place. Now, obviously, this really isn't a thing in most situations anymore. He didn't own a castle or like a huge home that needed a house staff. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful home, but it was not the kind of home that needed a caretaker. Yeah. By itself, this would only be a strange little detail in Kenny's life. But considering that he'd made several moves leading up to his disappearance that were out of the ordinary, Mm -hmm. the video kind of seemed like a desperate attempt or maybe maybe almost a subtle cry for help. But more than anything else. Yeah. So Sharon also said that sadly, when Kenny was in his young 20s, his father completed suicide. Kenny had confided in her that since his father's passing, that he'd considered suicide on and off for years. He'd also told her that if he ever chose to complete suicide, that he would not do it in his home and that he'd do it somewhere that nobody would ever find him. The very night before he went missing, Sharon and Kenny went on a date to the movies. She said that at the end of the film, the main character completed suicide. She said that after the movie was over, she could sense a sort of heaviness coming off of Kenny. And she became very worried. Yeah. She knew almost intuitively that he wasn't doing well. And she told him that she loved him and was there for him. But something was off. Mm -hmm. His daughter and brother also shared that they too had noticed a difference in Kenny shortly before he went missing. Mm. That he wasn't his usual, jovial, excited self. Now, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that he intended to take his own life. But it's possible that he irrationally engaged in extremely risky behavior on purpose in order to put himself in danger. Hmm. I mean, overall, this is just a hard conversation to have. Yeah. Nobody wants to believe that their loved one would take their own life. Of course. But depression is a monster. And it can absolutely lead people to make choices that they wouldn't normally make. Sharon, along with investigators, believe that the most likely theory is that Kenny used his intensive knowledge of the desert and the mines and that he walked for two full days, potentially even miles into the mines. Wow. And that it was there that he completed suicide. Yeah. It would be extremely likely that he would never be found in a scenario like that. Hmm. Police are optimistic that despite the deep sadness of this theory, that if it's true, at some point, someone else may in fact find Kenny's remains so that the family and friends of Kenny can have closure. There have been multiple missing persons cases that were solved five years later or more, like in this desert. The way that sand shift and the way that rain can change the terrain, that could work in favor of finding Kenny's remains if he had in fact passed away. Yeah. Many people with various levels of like investigative and like outdoor experience are still searching for him today. Wow. Obviously, the caveat here is that if you are going to go and try and find Kenny or the M cave, that you follow all safety regulations, that you inform people of where you're going, that you have adequate supplies and that you exercise extreme caution. Mm-hmm. If anyone has information on Kenny's whereabouts, please reach out to the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. Kenny's loved ones and friends remember him so fondly. They loved his childlike wonder at the world that we live in. They loved his adventurous and enthusiastic spirit. Sharon remembered having the absolute time of her life with him, like mm. when he was most himself. Yeah. She remembered him encouraging her to climb a tree once just for the joy of doing it. <laughs> and they made so many fun memories together. 
she smiles when she drives past a certain area and like she can remember going on a specific hike with him. Yeah. His family love him and miss him so dearly and simply want to know what happened to him and where he is. Mm. So we are hopeful to find an update on this story at some point. But for now, that's what I have for you on the disappearance of Kenny Veach. Wow. That is, man, there, there were parts in this story that got my attention for vastly different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously the, the, the second that you, uh, explained his letter, Mm -hmm. uh, I got goosebumps because it was one of those like, Oh, oh, that's, that's not, uh, that's not the fun kind of goosebumps. That's really just kind of sad and scary. And man, I hope, I hope that there's some kind of closure somehow. Mm -hmm. That's really what I would, I would love to hear about at some point down the road. And right. That's a sad, sad ending. And also there's, there's a lot to it. Like we Mm -hmm. ended on the saddest possible ending. Yeah. Knowing that there's multiple theories on where Mm -hmm. he at, where he's at right now. So yeah. And on the M cave hike video that he'd posted, uh, Sharon actually made a big long comment Hmm. and she kind of explained more of the ins and outs of like how Kenny was doing. Yeah. She gave a lot of his specific examples. Um, most of what I shared was from a couple of interviews that I've seen of her, but that comment is, you can just go search it on, on the Kenny Veach M cave hike video. And you can read the whole thing for yourself yeah. that she was very like thankful and kind and mm. like moved by the fact that people are interested in Kenny and interested in his story and that they are all like wanting well for him. They're all yeah. hoping for the best with yeah. him. Um, and then she kind of goes on and explains some of the heavier stuff. So I actually suggest that people do go read that. Yeah. Wow. Well, there, there is no, uh, really clean cut way to wrap this one up. So we'll just end really simply with a thank you. Everybody who's, who's listened. Um, definitely this has been an unusual, unsettling and unsavory story today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you, uh, enjoy this podcast, you can subscribe, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on your favorite listening platform and leave a glowing five-star review on whatever that platform may be, or, you know, a five-star equivalent. Um, <laughs> those reviews help other people who enjoy this genre of podcasting to find this one. So, uh, those are super helpful. Also, you can follow us on all social media at this one is a doozy on TikTok and Instagram. And you can also follow us on Facebook, This One's a Doozy Podcast. And with that, do you have any closing thoughts? You did miss the email, but I got you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You want me to take this one? Yeah, yeah. Take this one. All right. So if you have any requests for certain stories or topics to be covered, or if you have a personal story, we would love to hear from you on our email. The email is this one is a doozy at gmail.com. And I've got to say, we've gotten a lot of really good suggestions mm. that I am planning those episodes right now. Yeah. Working through some of them right now. Cause I'm all the way, I'm all the way in December yeah. working. Yeah. Working hard. So um, as far as personal stories go, I'm open to anything. You've got your dad, you know, went to college with John Wayne Gacy. I I probably should know about that. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Yeah. You know, you saw Bigfoot, your grandma met an alien. All of that is on the table. So please send those our way. Yeah. If your grandma got run over by an alien, we want to hear that story way more than reindeer. to know. Yes. That's, there's a little nod to Christmas time coming up. Anyway. It's too soon. Too soon. Too soon. It's not. This is, it's almost Thanksgiving. It's too soon. Okay. I'll cut that part out. (laughs) You don't need to cut (laughs) it. Well, with that, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week for another doozy. Thanks, guys. Bye. We're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. 
Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.